Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We're continuing our Deep Space Nine coverage. Right now we're going to be talking about the episode called Dax. It is episode 8 of season 1, directed by David Carson. Story credit goes to Peter Allen Fields. Teleplay goes to DC Fontana and Peter Allen Fields. It aired back on February 14th, 1993. In this episode, new evidence reopens a 30-year-old murder case and Dax's previous host, Curzon, is the prime suspect. It's just going to be me talking about this one. Unfortunately, I, I tried. I, I I started the whole uh, DS9 series thinking, like, I'm going to have every guest on every single episode. Well, that backfired. I missed an episode, which was uh, supposed to be last Monday. And I also don't have a guest for this one. So hoping we'll ride the ship uh, going forward. But it's just going to be me talking about this one. It's unfortunate, too, because I think there's a lot to talk about with this one. Um it's interesting, but I guess we'll get to that uh, in short moment. Anyway, I'm going to take a break. We're going to play an audio clip, and then it's just going to be me sort of uh, ranting and raving by myself about the episode Dax. There are worse things than an illicit love affair. Curzon didn't murder anybody. He didn't commit treason. Are you really willing to commit suicide over something done in another lifetime? That is what you're doing, you know. My God, Dax. Young Tandro, that wouldn't be your son. You have an overactive imagination, Benjamin. Then what is it that's holding you back? Help me. Damn it, if you were still a man. I see your temper hasn't improved. Don't talk to me about my temper. Curzon always warned you about it. You're not going to get me off track here. Do you remember that? Argosian lieutenant who threw a drink in your face? (laughs) (laughs) And you knocked me down with a right cross before I could kill him. I still have a little scar here from your ring finger. I tried on that ring after Curzon died. It just slipped off my finger. If you don't help me, old man, they're going to take you because I don't know any more arguments. Then allow it to happen. It is my obligation to protect the lives of those in my command. You ought to know that. You taught it to me. That was Curzon. I normally do the uh, the patron thoughts at the end of this, but I thought that there's only one uh, for some reason. I was kind of surprised. I... I didn't. I don't really remember this episode whatsoever. So when I saw that there was only one patron comment, um, and if people don't know, you can leave comments if you're a Patreon uh, supporter on Patreon.com/slash/ThePenskyFile. If you go there and you become a supporter, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes, and they get read out on the podcast. But anyway, um, there was only one, so I thought that oh, maybe it's not an episode that people aren't really interested in. Uh, maybe it's not quite a good episode, and people don't really care to leave their feedback about it. So there's only one comment. It comes from. Kyle Barrett, and I'm going to read this one just because I um, he sums up a lot of how I feel, and I didn't want to sort of just bury the lead with him and uh, read it at the very end of it. So Kyle writes, Dax, for an episode called Dax, supposedly about Dax, I feel I learned very little about Dax. Rather than being about the individual, the episode is more concerned with recapping or maybe rebooting the Trill mythology while fitting it into a courtroom drama format. 
Despite the episode not being what it perhaps should have been, I do enjoy a good courtroom episode, particularly with a couple of great guest star actors, even if there is a long, weird metaphor about souls in water or something. So I think Kyle hits a few major points that I want to talk about this one. This one surprised me uh, by sort of how good it was, but it's also it's also really flawed in a lot of ways. And I think that what they're trying to do is obviously, and it says this on Memory Alpha, is the producers at this point had kind of realized that Dax is an interesting character. And we haven't had a lot to do with Dax this previous seven episodes. Um, she's kind of been in the background. She has probably most of her interactions have to deal with dealing with uh, Bashir's advances and her sort of like turning the other cheek to him. Um and outside of that, you haven't really seen her a lot. And it's it's weird. It's It's been the most noticeable character dis, uh, sort of disappearance across all of the entire ensemble. And it's odd that she's not prominent. Uh, some of it makes me wonder if it's just the actress who is, um, yeah, her name is uh, Terry Farrell. Anyway, so I, I was wondering if it's maybe a weakness of the actress. I'm still not sure that she is really pulling off anything. And I don't think that this episode really convinced me that she's doing a good job with it. Uh, to this point, she's playing she's playing the Dax character more like an android than I would think would be necessary. But I guess we can sort of get into what we think the trills would actually be like um, as we move along. But for, like, as Kyle says, for an episode that's called Dax and is about Dax, there's remarkably little Dax in this. She, she doesn't have a lot to say. Uh, she's basically relegated to the background of everything. And most of the episode is people giving their feedback about Dax and about the previous version, Curzon, that they knew. Cisco knew the previous version, uh, the dead guy's wife, who uh, Dax is accused of murdering this guy and his wife that he was having an affair with, the Curzon, um, comes in and interacts with them. And a lot of the episode is spent sort of trying to figure out whether or not the Trill how the Trill would work as a species and whether or not you can hold them responsible for previous crimes, whether or not the the merging of a um, of a Dex, the, the Trill symbiote, if you want to call them that, the symbiote with a new humanoid host creates a new person or whether or not the symbiote is sort of the overriding issue uh, behind things and whether or not the symbiote takes over to a point where you can hold the symbiote accountable for things, even if it's in a different host. It's obviously that Deep Space Nine is taking a different... Um, approach to the troll than the host episode in TNG did, which is where the troll were introduced. And that episode was more, it was basically stated that the symbiote was the only thing that was driving the action in the host. And the host is basically just sort of a car that can move the symbiote around. Um, and the host body has no input. It's completely the symbiote taking over at that point. Um, they've changed that for the better in Deep Space Nine, because I think it's much more interesting to have the Trill symbiote and the host merging into a new um, individual. And that gives a whole bunch of like interesting ethical quandaries that you could pose and what these characters are about. You can write them in a lot of different ways as to how you can change the characters if uh, the Dax character changes from Curzon or whatever to Jedzia. You can write them differently. The characters can remember those past incarnations differently. They can have different kinds of memories going on because you could always argue that the host's memory and uh, how the host feels about things are interacting with the Trill symbiote inter uh, memories and everything. And that would be, the, the, it basically just opens a lot of doors for you by doing this. It really, it takes what's a one-dimensional um, characterization from the TNG episode where that characterization was basically about the fact that Beverly Crusher couldn't love the same mind in a different body. And that was the problem here. It's more about 
it's not the same mind in a different body because the mind has been changed by entering that body. It's a new person, even though it has memories and it sort of remembers uh, people that it had met in the past and it has all these shared experiences. It's still a new person. Um, and that's what the trial is about, whether or not you can try something. If Curzon, the previous stacks host, was to commit a crime, could you try Chad Zia for that thing? It's a really good ethical um, question. It's probably... One of the better premises, premises episodes that the uh, of an episode that the show has done to this point. I was impressed by it. It held my attention. I didn't think that the courtroom scene was really all that effective. It wasn't a great courtroom scene. I think it's pretty good, and I think that they they get around the sort of the the plot mechanics themselves aren't particularly developed or in depth or anything like uh, Dax is covering up for this affair that she had with the wife of the old ruler. Um, that's kind of it at the end. It doesn't really do a lot of evidence gathering. Odo's role in the entire episode is to go find evidence and he just kind of stumbles into it um, where she, he figures out that uh, the wife, uh, the widow is actually had a relationship with Curzon in the past. And it's not really a great mystery or anything, but the episode isn't trying to be a great mystery. It's more about this, Dex storyline, as I've been saying. And it is odd that because of the focus on Dex, you don't get a lot of Jadzia in it. You get the one great scene where Cisco is talking to her um, and she has a really great line about when Curzon dies, she put the, his ring on her finger and it just fell right off. That is a, that's a really nice line right there. That's, that's like a perfect, um, the actress does a pretty good job. Uh, Terry Farrell does a pretty good job of conveying the emotion there. It's not perfect, but she, she gets the point across that, um, you know, it's a nicely symbolic way to say that this is a different character and things aren't the same. No matter, no matter what Cisco's memories of getting the scar from being punched by that ring, the person who now uh, can't even wear the ring is a different person. And the the thing about the trill uh, is that I, I think that the the major weakness of the episode, and I do like the episode, but I think it does have this kind of underlying problem here, which is that. The episode was trying to flesh out the trill. And what we've discovered is that the trill still sort of seem beyond what the production team can understand in terms of how this society would actually work and how the species works and how the individuals work. Because to me, they have another trill in this episode. There's a trill who comes on and uh, provides evidence for like what trills do and when they when they come uh, merge with a host and in their mid-20s and like the previous lives and everything like that it, it feels to me like you could just ask this trill about how they would handle crimes of previous hosts it feels like that is something that should have come up before and i would imagine that the trill species would have something in line for that but more outside of like, I don't consider it really a plot hole or anything. It's more the fact that they don't really understand how the trill would work. I think the writers of the show don't really understand it because it's a, even the way they talk, I feel that the trill should have a better vocabulary for dealing with previous hosts and like how they would handle talking about previous hosts and how they would interact with people who are used to having previous hosts because the the Dax symbiote has been around for a while. It, it, this isn't the first time it's been in a new host. And I actually wonder if that's kind of a problem that the Dax symbiote, this should be maybe the second host or something. Um, I think we've only learned about Curzon, but it's said to be over 300 years old. So at this point, you'd imagine that it's gone through multiple, multiple hosts. Um, 
I was wondering if they should change it to Jedzia being the second one so that this troll doesn't really have that much experience going forward. That would also sort of eliminate a lot of the problems of I'm not sure how much knowledge the Trill should continually keep in itself, right? Like Jedzia is a lieutenant, but you feel with the combined 300 years of experience plus all everything else that's going on, plus the knowledge that the Jedzia host had when it merged, that you'd basically, the Trill should basically be like super adult versions of people. Like when she deals with Bashir, she does it well because it comes across as he's sort of the love-smitten puppy and she's the adult in the room. But I feel like that's the relationship that the Trills should all have because they've sort of seen all of this before. And it would be the analogy of like when you're younger and you're trying to think about things and, you know, you have like your romantic situations and you have your sort of like growing up and you have your fights with friends and everything. And at that point in your life, it all feels very like raw and fresh and like you're never really going to get over anything. And everything that happens to you is like the biggest problem in the world. But as you get a little bit older, you realize that the problems will just keep showing up and they're not all they're not really that big of a deal in the long run. They're just kind of things that you they're bumps in the road that you have to work your way through. And I feel like the Trill characters should have that perspective on everything. Um, as I said, they should be the adults in all the situations. And you don't really get that from the performance or the writing so far. Um, it comes across as if she is a little bit too android-like, and I, I don't think that's the right approach. She, I don't know if it's an acting limitation. She comes across as sort of emotionless and flat, and I don't think that that's the way that the trill should be played. I think that they kind of hint at it by saying Curzon was a bad trill, by saying he liked to drink. Um, I guess the symbiotes don't like alcohol. I can't remember if that's in the host or not. Um, it would make sense that the symbiotes don't like alcohol, but... Um, he, he liked to drink. He was sort of a wild man. He was obviously having affairs. Um, so I, I feel like the Trill shouldn't be limited to this kind of stoic aspect that both the Trill Jedzia in this one and the Trill who gives the evidence, that other Trill that comes in and talks, both of them were played very uh, static and flat. And I don't think that's the right way to play them because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What's much more interesting than the accumulated knowledge and the sort of like above it all um, attitude or the stoic attitude uh, that they have here is the fact that their their entire storyline is super interesting about whether or not um, this is a new individual and like where individuality lives and dies and what is a new person and everything like that. Um, there was a thing on Twitter, someone, some other Star Trek show was asking for like the top three races they thought. And I had to think about it and I included the Trill in it because I think the Trill are really a fascinating species here um, just in what they can cover. I don't know if they're ever really going to get deep into the weeds with it and do a satisfying exposition of what the, the species is all about that I would want. But the, the concept themselves is really, really fascinating. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, I guess I'd say that the, the combination of the two are a new person, but I still would have a problem of if the symbiote could remember and was partially responsible, you're basically kind of an accomplice to a crime. They, they try to get around it by saying that the, uh, you know, their bio systems or whatever have changed and that they're no longer, uh, you can't tell the difference between, or you, you can tell the difference between a previous host and this host by how their uh, sort of synapses are firing or whatever Bashir is talking about. But I, I still feel that the, the Trill is somewhat responsible for what goes on here. And they kind of dodge that a little bit, not too much because he is cleared of murder and it's just an affair that he's having. 
Um, the murder, I guess, just happened sort of coincidentally. The rebels killed the guy uh, somehow, and it's kind of thrown off at the end. It's not really the point. But the the combining of the two personalities into one new character is a really, really fascinating idea and has a lot of ethical uh, constraints and ethical problems that you'd want to deal with. And again, the main sort of issue I'd have with it is that the Trill Society should probably have a better handle on things and tell people how they sort of... Uh, would perceive this and you'd imagine that Jedzia would have an idea about it although she wouldn't be, want to be uh, self-incriminating herself i thought that the i thought this was a good deep space nine episode in a lot of ways like you, you get a good sense of how different cisco is as a captain here he's very emotional compared to kirk and picard emotional in a different sense he he takes personal things very personally in a way that the previous captains wouldn't. He is quick to anger when his sort of friends are being um, threatened with things. He's willing to almost skirt the rules, although he doesn't quite skirt the rules about, you know, if the, he tells Kieran Bashir if they find evidence, he wants to know it, but he's not going to be happy that they've told him this and they need to keep looking for a better answer. Um, that's a very unique take that you wouldn't see of Picard or Kirk. It's it's nice. It's a different um, thing. I'm really realizing how different Deep Space Nine is from TNG, where TNG was basically a reboot of TOS, which is the one of the things that's really sort of striking me at this point in the series rewatches, how much of a reboot um, TNG was, where it's basically the same kind of show, only it's 100 years later, so everything's a little bit nicer and everyone's a little bit more calm. Um, Deep Space Nine is different. It's a different ensemble. It's a different relationship between all the characters. It's different, um, you know, set design. Obviously, like the the darkness of the set is reflective of things that are going on in the episodes. Um, and I think that you get a good sign. You get a good, you know, couple insights into Odo and Quark have another sort of Odo and Quarkish relationship uh, conversation with each other. You get a little bit into the Dax character again. I'm disappointed that how little we talk to Dax in this one. Uh, you get a good insight into Bashir and Kira and everything like that. It, it felt very much like this was an episode that was clearly written for the show, as opposed to some of the past ones we've seen, like Hewless and um, Babel, which felt like TNG episodes that were transplanted into Deep Space Nine. This one feels very much like it is just a Deep Space Nine episode, and it's very good for that. Um, but I think that that's about it. I'm going to play an audio clip. We'll come back. We'll wrap up with uh, everything. We'll give final thoughts and sort of uh, final ratings and everything like that. Guys, here's the audio. It was kind of you to try and protect me. Someone you'd never even met. There's much of Curzon that's still a part of me, that still remembers what you had together. But it was Curzon, Dax, who swore himself to silence to preserve the memory of General Tandro, not Jadzia. I felt it was important to keep that promise. The General's memory is cherished by your people. And it will continue to be. Oh, no one will ever know that he was the one who tried to betray us. And that the rebels killed him for the favor. As for you, there is one favor I would ask. Of course. Live, Jadzia Dax. 
All right, so I already read the patron thoughts. Kyle, thank you very much for writing in about that one. I'm surprised not more people, uh, more people didn't write in about this one. It's it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good solid episode. Um, maybe it's more just it's better than everything that's come in before it, but I'm a little bit surprised that it's uh, not as it wasn't it didn't draw the feedback that I thought it would because there's a lot to talk about. And then we're going to probably have a better conversation about the trill uh, stuff. Once we get trill focused episodes going forward and I have someone on here to bounce off ideas, but until then uh, we'll finish up with final thoughts and ratings for this one. I liked this episode. I thought it worked pretty, pretty well. Um, It's a good deep space nine episode. Like, and I mean that in the sense that it's a good episode for this show. Um, we get a little bit of everything. We get a little bit of the DAC stuff. We get a little bit of the Trill Society. Cisco gets angry. He punches things. Um, we get a nice set where Tedzia's um, uh, quarters are kind of a nice new set where she has that sort of display in between her bed in the kitchen or whatever it looks like. And you can have characters standing on opposite sides. That's kind of nice. Um, yeah, I think it's just a it's not a great mystery. It's not really intended to be a mystery. It's more of a courtroom exercise that examines an ethical uh, question about what the trill are all about. I don't think it really answers a lot of questions about the trill. It might actually create more questions than it answers. Um, And in that sense, it's a little bit unsatisfying, but I don't hold it against it. I think it's, they're trying to do something. I hope that they get the trill a little bit more consolidated and how they like the vocabulary that the trill would work and how the trill would be represented and everything, because I do think that they are one of the more interesting species. Um, and it would be a shame if they all goes uh, to waste because they are sort of fascinating about how they perceive things. I'm going to give this one a, I don't know if this is a strong three or week four. I think it's, I really enjoyed it. Would I would I say that someone unfamiliar should watch this episode? Probably not. It probably doesn't stand on its own. So I think I'm thinking I'm going to give this one a three, but it's a really strong three. It's probably my favorite of the season so far. Um, Emissary is kind of a different case. The pilots always feel a little bit different, but this is my favorite uh, favorite normal episode so far. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty 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 good. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. I would recommend. Um, if someone was making a list of the season one episodes they should watch, I think that this is probably the first one uh, outside of the pilot. This is the first one I would sort of think of including on that list. But that's it, guys. Again, I apologize for being the only one here talking about this, but sometimes these this, these things come up so quickly. Two a week is really two a week doesn't seem like a lot until you actually have to sit down and record them, and then it feels like a lot. But I appreciate you guys putting up with it. Uh, the next episode coming down the line is uh, let me see what do we have here. Do, 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 the passenger, the passenger. So we'll have a guest on for the passenger. Um, so everything will be back to normal. And then hopefully we'll start uh, sticking to the schedule going on from here. But obviously Discovery is kicking in in a little bit. So that'll be um, the Monday podcast coming up will be our Discovery shows. And then the Thursdays will be the Deep Space Nine. So Deep Space Nine will slow down a little bit as we get into it. But we'll get to that when we come to it. Uh you guys know all the social media. It's on all the links and it's in the YouTube description. You can check it out there. Facebook, Twitter, blah, 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 all that stuff. The only one that I'd really push is Patreon, patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you go there and you support the show for a couple dollars a month, less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get extra stuff. And this month we're going to be talking about um, Demolition Man and Star Trek Discovery Predictions. Those are the exclusive podcasts you can get if you sign up for the Patreon. So consider doing that if you enjoy the show. If you don't, no worries. We'll keep going with the Star Trek. So that's about it.
Um, oh, the uh, patrons. Actually, the ten, the higher level tier of patrons should get listed. They should be uh, they should be applauded. I appreciate you guys very much. Stephen Cobb, Ben Douglas, Tax Albert, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Vincent Adultman, Doug Volkamp, and Tark Latif. I think that's I'm pronouncing. I might be getting your name wrong, uh, Tark, but you have to let me know. Uh, that's about it, guys. Thank you very much. We'll be back with the passenger, and we'll have a guest on. And that one's written by Morgan Gendel. Morgan Gendel. Uh, Peter Allen Fields wrote a. Uh, yeah, Gendel wrote Inner Light. Okay, so we've got the the writer of Inner Light coming up on the next one. Peter Allen Fields. Why does that name sound familiar? He wrote the first duty. Half a Life, Cost of Living. Oh, the teleplay with Morgan Gendel. He also wrote Dinner Light. Okay, so that makes sense. That's why these names are coming up. That's what Peter Allen feels is for. So, anyway, guys, I will see you next time.